Hey everyone, I wanted to welcome you to Encounter Church. I'm Pastor Craig Rice. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Hey, what's going on, Encounter family? So glad you joined us. We are in the third week of our series called Me and My House. I hope so far that you have enjoyed every bit of this. Uh, We've just been pouring it out because we believe that your family, your marriage, your home, the relationships that you're building are going to be strengthened and God's going to do great works in them. And the foundation of your home, the foundation of your family is so important to God. And the relationships that you are building with others are incredibly important to God. And so we have been working through this and talking about how to build better relationships with the people we share airspace with. So today, we're going to go ahead and dive right into Psalms 127, verses 1 through 5, uh, out of the New Living Translation, and it says it like this, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to the ones he loves. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him, and children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates." I want to just kind of title this talk today, The Arrows Are in the Warrior's Hands. We've seen this fight in our nation, in our world right now. It is a constant battle, uh, probably more so than we have ever experienced against our children, against their philosophies, against their ideas, and, and trying to manipulate them into believing and thinking one way uh, as opposed to another way. There's a, there's a fight with educators and parents. There's a fight with government and schools and, and parents. And it's just it's an uproar right now. And in fact, we've even, even come to the place in our nation that instead of calling a woman a woman or a mother who has born children or could bear children... What we call them now in, in this laws that are being passed is there's trying to be this agenda push that we just call them birthing people. Uh, to me, that is so degrading. It takes away from the identity that God has placed inside women. Women are so powerful. They're so uniquely designed. And their abilities and their giftings that God has placed in, they're not just a birthing person They are a mother. And as we're working through today's talk, we're celebrating Mother's Day this coming Sunday. We're celebrating the women that have been able to bear children, ones that will bear children. And if you're watching this and you have been unable to, you're fighting with this, we're celebrating women as well. Because we realize that there is a power and anointing on women. And I'm not willing to allow a culture, an identity, something else, and someone else to call our women, our ladies, something different than who they are. In fact, there's even this derogatory term that's going around that 
that when there's a straight couple that's together, they're just called breeders. That degrades, that takes away from the joy and the ability that God gave us in the very beginning of being fruitful and multiplying. This was God's work in our lives to build a family, to create a life, to create space, to, to, to be fruitful and multiply and plenish the earth with, with that. And so there's a fight against it. There's a fight against our families and our kids and our relationships because the enemy wants nothing more than to pull apart at the very seams the institute that God designed from the very beginning of unification within our homes. Strong homes create strong churches and strong countries and strong cities and strong nations. Strong homes are the foundations of that population. In fact, just recently in New Jersey... There was, uh, there's educators that are trying to push this agenda where they call it pink, blue, and purple. Uh, it's, it's boy, girl, and whatever else. And it does away and fights against the identity of, of God. There, there's nothing else there. Uh, and they're teaching this not to college students, not even to high school, not even to middle school. They're teaching this to first graders. First graders and teachers are told to tell their students that their gender is up to them. They get to decide. Not biology, not science, not creation. They get to decide. This is being taught in first grade. First grade. First graders that are just trying to learn ABCs and how to read and how to write and how to form complete sentences. Now there is an over-sexuality that is getting pushed into our first graders. In fact, kindergartners are, are being pushed into being taught sex ed and a woke philosophy. Kindergarten. So when you take it to our kids and they get younger and younger, when you take it to our kids, there's a fight that is happening. There's a fight, there's a war against our children and it is up to strong houses and strong parents and strong uncles and strong aunts and strong grandparents and great-grandparents and friends and neighbors and co-workers. There's a fight that we should stand up and fight for our families, fight for our friends, fight for those that really don't know how to fight for themselves. And I ask the question then today, why is there such a fight for our kids? Why is there such a fight for their ideas and their philosophies and, and, and their understanding? Why is there such a fight for our kids? Well, in Acts chapter 2 and 17, it says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Later on in, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul said that we should eagerly desire to operate in all the gifts, but especially the gift of prophecy. Because when we prophesy, we are strengthened, we are encouraged, and we are comforted. And Peter in Acts 2 is quoting the, the prophet Joel in the Old Testament, and this was the prophecy that God had given. So I... I believe that there is a fight for our kids because they have a gifting of prophecy that when they open their mouth to speak, the things that they declare will happen. And the enemy knows that they have a power behind them, that they are a force to be reckoned with, but if he can get them to thinking a different way, uh, 
creating an idea that is anti-Christ, that is, that is against the word of God, if he can get them so confused in their gender and their identity that he will mess them up with their spiritual identity. But we have kids that are called to prophesy, called to declare the word of God because when they open their mouth, things happen. Lives are changed, we're strengthened, we're comforted, we're going into a spiritual warfare. And I believe that our children and this next generation that is coming up is the very thing that God is setting up to take down current spiritual strongholds. There's a story in Scripture found in 1 Chronicles 17. And David is having this conversation with the Lord and he says, Now, O Lord, I am your servant. Do as you have promised concerning me and my family. May it be a promise that will last forever. And may your name be established and honored forever so that everyone will say, the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, is Israel's God. And may the house of your servant David continue before you forever. Oh my God, I have been bold enough to pray to you because you have revealed to your servant that you will build a house for him. A dynasty of kings. For you are God, O Lord, and you have promised these good things to your servant. And now it has pleased you to bless the house of your servant so that it will continue forever before you. For when you grant a blessing, O Lord, it is an eternal blessing. And then it says this, After this, David defeated and subdued the Philistines by conquering Gath and its surrounding towns. Then chapter 18 begins to describe every battle, every town, every city that David began to conquer and subdue. But David begins, before his pursuit of conquering, he begins by declaring a blessing over his family. And then he says, God, you have given my family the promise of a dynasty of kings. David did not look at his children as an inconvenience. David did not look at his kids as insignificant. David did not look at his children as if they were a problem or they were a nuisance. David said, I see that you have blessed me, and now I'm praying that you'll bless my family. You have given me a dynasty of kings to raise, people that will rule nations and subdue kingdoms. And then, after he prayed that blessing, he went out and he conquered nations and cities so that his kids would have an opportunity to follow in his, in his footsteps. David the warrior had the opportunity to say, I'm going to also raise warriors. David the king has the opportunity to also raise kings. What I'm saying is this. We need to stop looking at our children as insignificant, as a nuisance, as a problem, as some, as some child that is just in the world until they can finally leave our house. That is not who we are called. We are called to raise kings and queens. We are called to raise warriors and fighters for the kingdom. And, and then... After we declare, after we get this revelation that we are raising children that are going to do incredible things, then we ourselves have to also do incredible things. There are battles that we have to fight so we can show our children how to fight. 
There are, there are things we have to subdue so we can show our children how to subdue them. You and I, we need to be secure in our identity. You and I are the warriors. That's what Psalms are, the beginning text that we read today. It said, unless God builds the house, we labor in vain. We need to put God back as the, as the foundation of our home. We're called to help build it. But unless God is there, we're building a house in vain. And then it says that they're arrows. Children are like arrows in the warrior's hand. Children are like arrows in the warrior's hand. The warrior is still responsible for teaching and training, holding on to and releasing the children. The the warrior is still responsible in fighting battles, in going to war. The warrior is not going to sit back and relax. The warrior has to get up and move and So often we find ourselves as we get into this turmoil and battle and struggle of all the things that are going on around us that we can get so complacent, so uh, survivalist, if you would, that we get to the place where we just are just trying to survive. We get inundated from this side and that side and news and and, and social media and and TV and and all of these things are just compressing on our minds and our emotions and our, our very essence of who we are to the fact that we feel like we are just going to burst unless something happens. And what the enemy wants is for you to isolate, for you to get so closed in and just survive. But warriors are not survivalists. Warriors decide they will take ground that will be theirs, while survivalists protect ground that is already theirs. We're not called to be survivalists. We're called to be warriors. And we've got to teach the next generation how to slay giants by defeating the giants ourselves, David goes to the Philistines and Gath, where there were families and tribes of giants, and he takes them out. He takes them out after he had prayed a blessing over his family because he's showing his kings and his queens that are under him, his children, that, hey, there are some battles you're going to have to face, but watch dad. Watch what I'm going to do. Watch how I'm going to fight. Watch how we do this. We're going to take these out. We're going to fight against the things that are fighting against our nation. We're going to go out and fight against the things that are coming against who we are as God's people. And David conquered giants. He's teaching his children how to slay them by slaying them himself. We have to be able to show our children how we are to stand against those who would oppress, those who would exploit, we got to show our kids and our next generation what truth really is, what is right and what is wrong, how to live, how to love, how to look like Jesus. And I want you to think about it this way. We are molding our children to understand that we can no longer stand in the face of great adversity and just bow down before those who would hold us back, but rather we have to show them that we can fight, that we will stand when everyone else is kneeling because we are called to fight for our families. And fighting requires movement. Comfy people don't move. I don't know about you, but if I get on the couch, the most inconvenient thing that can happen for me is my dog wants to go outside. I don't know about you. If you've got pets, 
It gets annoying. Like I'm sitting down, I've had a long day, hard day, and I want to just chill with my family. I've got my sweats on. I've got my, my shirt on. Like we're just like chilling on the couch. I've, I've had a big dinner. Like we are just done. We are comfy. The house is the perfect temperature. Everything is right in the world. And suddenly my dog is like, I got to go back to the bathroom. And you're like, I've got to get up off this couch to take care of you. It's an inconvenience. Look, I don't want you to get me wrong. I love my dog, but he can be annoying. And he can get, because what, what I've realized is that comfy people don't move. We don't want to get up. We don't want to do anything. Like, we're done. We are comfortable where we are. And too often, I think that we want to clothe our children in comfortable things. Protect them from the elements. Protect them from this. Protect them from hard truths. Protect them from these ideas. And instead, we are actually causing them to be in a place where they are unable to move forward in a fight. We need to instead clothe our kids in armor, not sweaters. Because sweaters unravel while armor remains intact. We've got to clothe our kids in armor. Clothe them in the ability to fight. Not in sweaters of comfortable ideas and thoughts and and philosophies because comfort never accomplishes God's plan. Your children are going to fight for something because that's what they're designed to do. They are the arrows in the warrior's hands. They're going to fight for something, but it is our responsibility. They're in our hands to help steer them in the right direction of what they are to fight for. The reality is, is that we are, we are archers. We're archers. We've got, we've got the bow, right? We've got the bow. And we need to be a flexible bow of our time. Because if we're so caught up in just, in just this, this moment of just hanging on to this, and survivalist. But the moment that we begin to move, fighters move, there has to be a movement where we stretch, where we pull back, where we get ready to release. But this does nothing unless I have an arrow in it. So I can have flexibility. I can move. But the arrow is what provides value to the bow. The arrow is what gives the warrior the strength. The arrow is what gives the ability to overcome and destroy the thing that it's going against. An arrow is valuable to the person who has shaped it. See, an arrow in that time was an implement of war. And, 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 and it represented that. Today, we stand on the front lines of a war that we are facing in society. And I want you to think about your children like an arrow. That you have been given the incredible responsibility, the honor of a lifetime to shape an arrow for the kingdom of God. You've been given that responsibility. And maybe, maybe you don't have kids of your own, but you're in a school system and you're teaching. Maybe you are uh, an uncle or an aunt, or maybe, maybe you've got friends that have kids. Maybe, maybe you teach in one of our e-kids departments or uh, in, a, in a, a children's department in a church where you're at, or no matter what, you're raising a generation and you have the opportunity 
to shape the arrow. You're the warrior, yeah, you've got the bow, but this, this is what makes the bow powerful. So I looked up some, some research on what it takes to make an arrow, what it takes to make an arrow. And if this were a wood arrow, this is not a wood arrow, I could not find a wood arrow, but if this were a wood arrow, you would have to start by straightening it. So this first step to creating an arrow was you have to straighten it. In fact, Proverbs 22 and 6 says, direct your children onto the right path. Straighten it. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Because you put in principles, ideas, thoughts, and you're going back to the Word of God. You're not doing it by your own philosophies, your own ideas. You're letting them create and think for themselves through the vision of the Word of God. You're not creating robots. You're not creating individuals that will think like you think. Because our kids are going to think different than we think. You're creating them to think for their own. But you're also creating them to think along God's path of His law, of what He wants, the right path. Because the wrong information will send you in the wrong direction. If I continually do and shape this arrow, if I try to, if I try to just create it out of, out of a, a quick process or try to just manipulate the, the, the way this thing goes, then I'm going to create a crooked arrow. And the moment I pull back on the bow to release the thing that I have in it, that arrow's going to go a different direction than the way that I thought it would because I was unwilling to spend time in straightening it so that it would fly straight, that it would go where I send it. We've got to teach our kids a few things with the straightening side of it because there's a lot of things that are just getting talked about, things that are getting pushed, things that are getting addressed. And maybe we need to bring it back to this. Maybe we need to ask ourselves and ask our kids, is it, is it gospel or is it gossip? Is, is this what the Bible says or is this just what everyone else is saying? Is this just a new fad, a trend, an idea? Or is this going back to what the gospel is? Because if you'll teach your kids, if you'll direct them on the right path, when they're older... not going to leave it the second step to creating an arrow is that you have to cut and taper and a lot of times we have gotten to the process of cutting our kids down they're not good enough or you're not like me enough or or you can't do that we are never called to tear down we're never called to destroy we are called to build the next generation up the next generation may not like the same music as you do. That's not a sin. The next generation may not think exactly the way you do. That's not a sin. The next generation may not dress exactly like we do. That's not a sin. So we shouldn't tear them down because they look, talk, and act different than us. We should instead build them up because each child and each of our next generation beneath us has their own personality, their own strengths, and their own weaknesses. Maybe, maybe we should be able to get beside them and figure out what their strength is so that we can continually build on that strength. Or maybe we should get alongside them and see what that weakness is so we can help direct that weakness and turn it actually into a strength. 
The third step into creating an arrow is that it needs to be stained and sealed. In fact, Ephesians 1.13, in the ESV it says it like this, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed. You're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Every generation needs a personal God encounter. We need to be sealed in the Holy Spirit. We need to be sealed within the promise. We need a staining of the promises of God on our next generation. We need to be so saturated with the presence of God because staining begins to seal in everything you have worked on. You're not going to seal it by yourself. You're going to seal it with the Holy Spirit. Every generation needs a personal God encounter. The fourth step in creating an arrow, building, designing an arrow is this, that you have to install the knocking point. That's this point right here on the back side of it. It's The knocking point is essential to consistency. The knocking point actually marks where you clip your arrow to the bowstring and it keeps it there as you draw and shoot. Do you get that? Like it's the key to consistency. Let me, let me help somebody that is working with our kids. Our kids are a direct reflection of who we are. And they're going to live their lives based on how they have been brought up. The greatest thing that we can do is be consistent. Be consistent. Be consistent with prayer. Be consistent with devotion. Be consistent with church attendance. Be consistent with generosity. Be consistent in love and be consistent in joy. Be consistent in the fruit of the Spirit. Be consistent. That's the knocking point. It is the actual... This is important to allowing the straight arrow, the stained arrow. It's important for this to fly straight because if you don't have this... It goes every which way. You've got to build in consistencies in your home. The fifth and final step of creating and designing an arrow is called the fletching. You've got to install the fletching. And fletching on an arrow shaft stabilizes the shaft during the flight by causing it to spin as it leaves the bow. The spinning keeps the arrow on its flight path and preserve speed and accuracy and ultimately impact power. These feathers right here, the fletching is important. Because without this, it doesn't stabilize its flight. There's got to be a stabilization. In fact, Psalms 91 says he will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. The reality is is that all of this is great. We We can have the bow and the arrow and we can even pull it back. And a lot of us get to the point of pulling it back and we're in war and, 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 and we're like, all right, we've got the arrow and our kids are here and, and we've installed all this, but now what do we do with it? See, kids, kids are meant to be sent, not silenced. 
They are silenced if they are remaining in your hand and not released from your care. You've got to realize today that you are creating a generation to go out and fight the battles that you have yet to enter into. Because your child, your children, the next generation may be the key to winning our families, our nation, our world's biggest battles. Maybe, maybe that's what this is all about. The arrow is in the warrior's hands, but you don't become a warrior until you latch that arrow on and you release it from your hold. It's 2 Kings 13 that shows us this story that Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. And Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. It's in your hands. Put your hand on the bow and Elisha laid his own hands on the king's hand. See, you've got to have spiritual authority and help with you. You don't have to raise them by yourself. This is why church is so important. You don't have to do it by yourself. And Elisha the prophet lays his hands on the king's hand and then he commands, open the eastern window. And he opened it and he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow. And Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow. An arrow of victory over Aram. And you will completely conquer the Armenians at Aphek. Do you see this? The prophet's like, if you will just shoot... If you will just release what I have placed in your care and in your hand, if you will train and teach and raise, they are the victory in the battle that you have yet to fight. Your kids, the next generation, the ones we're teaching in e-kids, the ones we're teaching in our schools, the ones we're raising in our homes, the ones we have care for as uncles and aunts and great-grandparents and grandparents, those kids are the key to spiritual victory in our nation. They're not a nuisance. They're not a problem. The arrows are in the warrior's hands. We fought some battles. But the next generation is now in our hands to see the victory that God has for us. Psalm 78, and I'll finish it out with this, and I want to make it our pledge. Psalm 78, 4 says, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about His glorious deeds, about His power, His mighty wonders, so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they will in turn teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting His glorious miracles and obeying His commands. Will you take that pledge with me? Will you take that pledge of Psalm 78? Say, I'm not going to hide these truths from my children. But instead, I'm going to talk about the Lord. I'm going to invest into them spiritually. I want to see their life matter for the kingdom I'm not raising children. I'm raising kings and queens. I'm raising 
arrows that are going to win victories. I'm winning because I have a quiver full. I'm blessed because I have kids. I'm blessed because I work with children. I'm blessed because I have the responsibility. It's in my hands. The arrows are in the warrior's hands. They're in your hands. They're in your hands, and they're going to make a difference. I want to pray over you. I want to pray over if you're watching and you're an educator, if you work with our children, if you're a parent, an aunt, an uncle, a friend, whatever it is, I want to pray over you that God would strengthen you, that God would give you power in this hour to, to continue to press forward. Fighting people move. Fighting people move. They make a difference. They stand when everyone else is bowing. That God would deliver us from comfy places so that we could be brought to the forefront of a fight against our kids. We're fighting for our families. We're fighting for our next generation. We're fighting for them. So would you pray with me? Father, I pray now for those that have watched this, listened to this, that they would realize that the next generation is in our hands. And we have the ability within us and the power within us to shape what is going to come. Right now, God, you have given us the abilities to form in them God ideas. Structure what is right and what is wrong. Right now, Father, I'm praying that you would give us the courage to stand while everyone else is bowing that you would give us a fighting spirit that would war against the things that are fighting against our kids. Today, God, I'm praying for our children and our next generation that they would be mighty in battle, that the impact that next generation has would destroy strongholds so that your spirit may be poured out on the entire earth. So I put a blessing on our educators. I put a blessing on our homes, our parents, our friends, our neighbors, our aunts, our uncles, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, everyone that is in contact with kids, raising kids, teaching kids, our e-kids leaders, our e-kids teachers, our youth department, that you would give them supernatural wisdom and knowledge to direct us as we direct the next generation. Now, if you've been watching this today and... You're like, man, I, I need Jesus before I go on to anything else. I want to pray for you as well. Because this is a moment where you can say, I need a fresh start. I, I just want to start over. I, I, need to, I need to find Jesus. And here's your moment right now. You can say yes to him. You can give your life to him. Whether for the first time or you're coming back to him, whatever that looks like, you're saying yes to Jesus. And I want to pray for you right now. This, this here at Encounter we call a fresh start where you say, yes, I want to give my life to him. Would you pray with me today? Father, I thank you for the word we've received, your Holy Spirit that we feel. And I ask that you would work in our lives. Today, we have dealt with confusion. We've dealt with, with, with not knowing where we're at. And today, we kind of feel like we're spiraling out of control. And so we ask today that you would create a stabilization in our spiral. That we would spiral in the right direction that we would become your followers today. So God, I give you my life. I give you all of the worries, anxieties, fears. I, I give you all of the sin. I give you all of my mistakes. I give all of that to you, and I ask that you would make me a new person in you today. So today, I give you my life. 
and I say yes to you in Jesus' name. Hey, if you, if you just did that with us, if you prayed that prayer with us, if you were with us right there and you gave your life to the Lord, we want to hear about it. We want to celebrate with you. We want you to know that this is a place to belong even before you believe. We're so glad that you have listened, you've watched, and God's going to do great things in you. And if you made a fresh start today, direct message us, comment below. We want to reach out and just let you know that you are part of a tribe and a community that wants to uplift you, help you any way we can. We're here to serve because we know that this year, God has called us to build his church together as we encounter God and encounter people. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow Jesus to transform your soul. We pray that you have an amazing week. Thanks again for being a part of the Encounter Church family. God bless you.